The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So as we look at today, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 41. Uh, We're kind of getting to a section in the life of Joseph where uh, for several days, several episodes, we've been talking about the building up, all the things that God's doing to get Joseph into the right place to be able to be prepared for what he has going. I'm going to take just a a few minutes today and talk about really what we see here We're going to talk in a little bit about what it's like to look back and see what God did. But today, I want to look at the idea of this this, this premise of just seeing the big picture. Seeing the big picture and realizing that there is so much going on that we are unaware of. So much going on that God is in control of. And it's all being done for His glory, His plan, and our good. And so we're going to evaluate that beginning in Genesis chapter 41 today. I want to just simply, we're just going to read the account of Pharaoh's dream. So Genesis 41, it says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Remember, Joseph had just talked to the butler. The butler had been put back into a place, a position of authority. And now it's two years later after this happened that Pharaoh dreamed a dream. And behold, he stood by the river. Genesis 41 verse 2. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and flat shed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up after out of them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kine upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean kine did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kine, so Pharaoh woke. I can imagine he would. That's kind of a disturbing dream. Verse 5, And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven urns, ears, or excuse me, ears of corn came up on the one stalk, rank and good. And, seven, and behold, seven thin ears blast, and, and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh woke. And behold, it was a dream. First thing I see, honestly, it sounds horrible, but it's a reminder that dreams sometimes are weird. It's just the way it is. But please remember, this is very different than eating too much pepperoni pizza at midnight or whatever it is. This, we remember that dreams specifically were given to give visions. Now, it's unique. We even Pharaoh would understand that the dream, um, the um, Butler and Baker understand this. Pharaoh understood this. These people understood that dreams were more than just a habit of sleep. They were something to warn them. Now, please remember, God worked very differently in this time. There was no completed Bible. Uh, Genesis, there was no Bible. God worked in unique ways, and God empowered specific people to be able to, to answer these things, i.e. Joseph in this situation. So he gives a dream, and he gives a dream. We know, we know ultimately the interpretation is that you know, the seven fat cows eaten up by the seven thin cows same thing with the corn. We know the interpretation because we've, most of us have read and heard the story that there's going to be seven years of plenty in the area of great, great wealth in the harvest and then seven years of famine. And so we know that it was a long term that God was saying, listen, we know this is coming. Now, here's some things I want you to consider that we know to be a fact. Probably 13 years earlier than this, 
Joseph, at 17 years old, is sitting in his parents' house, father's house, and twice in a span of a period of time, he's given two dreams. He's given a dream that his brothers, or their stalks, hey, would bow down to him, and then the sun, moon, and stars later would bow down to him. He was given a dream at least 13 years earlier that his brothers and his family and his mom and dad at some point would bow down to him, simply stating he would be in some level of authority, probably in some kind of um, royal authority, uh, since he didn't really bow down to religious authorities in those days. You still don't either. But so some kind of royal authority or official authority. And his brothers hated him. His father reflected, thinking this is unique. What's going to happen with this? But he was given a dream, and a dream that he understood pretty quickly what was happening. This was, God, this was God's plan for Joseph's life. And then we know since then, Joseph's been thrown into the pit by the brothers who hated him as they debated to kill him. Then he's sold into slavery and then sold down in Potiphar's house where he worked his way up to a great position and was lied about and then thrown into prison. And now was spent several years in prison, even though he was helping people there and God had moved him to a great position of authority even in the prison. He's just in a miserable place. And so since the dream that God gave Joseph, there's this long period of time where everything in its place seemed like there's no way this could fulfill what God was intending to do. And now we see, we're beginning to see the tides turn in the story. And what we get the first glimpse of is a dream given to Pharaoh of the coming plenty and the coming doom. And what we see is God's bigger picture, that God knew when he gave Joseph the dream about the famine that was going to come. But this case, what, maybe, what, 20 years earlier, later or something, God was going to bring this famine. God knew it was coming. God knew that Joseph was going to be there. God knew that he had to find a way to protect the children of Israel. Had to find a way, this famine's coming, and so I'm going to use this opportunity to protect my chosen people, and I'm going to use Joseph to do it. So you've got the bigger picture of not only just the world economy, but Israel and how, how his family and 12 tribes were going to be protected. And so he put, you know, again, I, I look at this from a human point of view. God didn't sit down one day, hmm, how am I going to make this work? He knew all this. But from our point of view, he saw this coming and he devised a plan where Joseph could be used to fulfill that plan. So Joseph was used specifically, and his scenario put him there to be right really underneath the king's nose at the time of this dream. And we see the bigger picture. This was God's plan, God's intention. He knew what he was doing. Now, let me just, let me just take a, a few minutes and look at some of the practical sides of this. What, what does that mean for us on our daily basis, for those of us who say, does God really have a great divine plan? A couple things to look at. Number one, it does recognize the sovereignty of God. God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's everywhere. He knows everything. He's all powerful. He knows what's going on. He's in full control. Now, here's a tricky part. We battle, and, and I won't take a lot of time with it, but we battle this constantly in our minds, the sovereignty of God over the free will of man. So God is sovereign in control, but yet he calls Satan the prince and the power of the air which obviously means that he's given a lot of freedom to Satan in our world. He is uh, all in control, but he's given us freedom to choose right or wrong. He's done that since the garden, and he's still today. There's always an option to do wrong because you don't choose to do right if there's no choice. There's always a chance to worship. Worship's not worship unless it's chosen. So we look at all of these things, and we see God's divine hand working. But the, the balance here, now here's always been the balance. How can God be in control and yet I have a choice? It doesn't make sense. It's a very simplistic answer. God is powerful enough to be in control and give me a free will. 
We're still trying to figure all this out, putting it into human mindset. Don't do that. God is sovereign. He's in control. But in the midst of it, he's given me a choice. So he's got this plan going. Now, please remember, we read in Romans 8, 28, verse 29, he says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. He's got this perfect will for his children who've chosen, who accept him, that he knows they're going to get saved, and he's through sanctification, they're going to get them to that place. So he's got this plan, and he's got this larger picture, the kingdom of Jesus and and the church that he wants to work through and the people that he wants us to influence and maybe bring to Christ and all of the things he has planned with our lives. This is the large, the bigger picture. And so we see that he does have a bigger picture. So we see a sovereignty. We see the free will of man and Satan working in all of this. But you know when there's something else that I see? when I look at all of this, is I see the personal nature of Jesus. Here's something that absolutely helps me to see the great grandeur of the infinite power and mind of God. God's got a huge picture. And he sees, he sees the kingdom. He sees the future. He sees the ministry, the church we work in. He sees our families. He sees the people we can influence. He sees the people that we might influence. And he is orchestrating things in our life to prepare us and to guide us and to get us in the place where we can be used for whatever it is that he has us for. When we got saved, he said, listen, you're saved and this is where I want you. This is my plan. This is where you can glorify me. And here are all these things I'm gonna put you through, excuse me, so that you can be right where I need you to be for my plan for you. The problem with the bigger picture is think about how many, what if people say no? What if people see God's hand and say, I don't want to do it? What if Joseph had not said no to Potiphar's wife and ruined all of it? What if Joseph had just given up? There's so many what ifs in all of this. And the human nature does that. And yet in all of this, God looks, the great power of God comes down to the personal nature. That in all of this big picture, I'm part of that. When we look at the big picture, we often see ourselves as little pawns. We're not really significant to God. And that is the exact opposite. This big picture is not just for him, it's for me. He's got a big picture for me, and he's chosen me to be used strategically in his plan. There's nothing more awesome than that. There's nothing more powerful than that. There's nothing more amazing than me know that God has chosen to use me in his perfect will with my failures, with my weaknesses, with my doubts, with my discouragements, all these different things. And whatever is going on right now. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that's happened in my life, God has forced. Many of you have lost loved ones this last year. While we know that the point a man wants to die, uh, God knew when it was going to come. God didn't choose to do that this year. Uh, God knew it was coming. And we all have an appointed day to die one day. Many of us have struggled. Many of you have struggled with financial battles, work loss, things of that nature. A lot of people are struggling in the area of all the things going on in this life. And I tell you, it, it builds more than just the financial pressure, the work pressure, then there's the being ostracized from other people pressure and all these other things going on. So many other great battles that are coming in and, and, and we can become overwhelmed with it. And God says, listen, I can use this still. Stay close to me, I can still use this. And we look at all of it and say, how could God? God's personal nature keeps close to us and can keep using all of these things somehow for his glory. We see that we're not just an insignificant pawn in the midst of his grand scheme. He, we are someone that he loves, he has designed, he has created, he's given us all the strengths and weaknesses that we have, and he wants to use them. He wants to use them for our betterment where we can find strength through the battles encouragement and growth through the battles, and then somehow use it for his glory. 
This is what we hold on to, that none of the things that we see in our life are random acts of craziness. Because if we look at life as random acts of craziness, it can, it can drive us to insanity. God knew it, and he's, part, he's there. He's there to be part of it. It, does, it. it won't make sense, by the way. Some of the things that God allows us to go through won't make sense and may not till eternity. But the fact that God is with us and he allows us to go through these things and he walks through us with it is really all we need. See, we live in a sinful world. These things happen, unfortunately. But God never leaves us and he's got a plan and he can use these things. Knowing that there's a bigger picture gives us strength, gives us grace to hold on to him and trust in him and say, somehow he can use this. And it allows us to, shall we say, warrior through the things that we find ourselves going through on a daily basis and a weekly basis. And I hope that that will be help to you to encourage you that God is not oblivious, that God is in control, and in the grand scheme of everything, he still has his eyes on us, and he knows all of our cares, all of our concerns, and all the battles that we find ourselves in. May we put our trust in that and find strength in that. Thank you for finishing off the week with us this week here on this uh, Friday. And we are so glad you've taken time to join us. We hope this is an encouragement. We look forward to seeing you Sunday, 10 o'clock in the morning on property or online. And uh, join us again this uh, Sunday night at 5 o'clock. I understand there's potential snow coming. We always keep that into account. We don't want to be uh, put anybody in danger. So if we hear things changing, we'll let you know. Uh, but we hope to be here on Sunday and just have a great time of worship. We hope you have a great afternoon and hope you have a great weekend. God bless.